2: This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.
1: Tonight's commercial-free Women to Watch is presented by Patrick Foley and Kristen Hillsley, who wish you a very happy holiday season.
3: This is Women to Watch.
4: To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams.
3: Women to watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for
5: those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change.
3: Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams.
4: True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been
3: given. Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco.
5: Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for being with us for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. My name is Sue Rocco, and tonight's show I first want to mention is a commercial-free holiday special presented by Patrick Foley and Kristen Hillsley, the authors of Winning at Retirement. So I want to thank them for sponsoring the show this evening. And it's also a special show because we are at the beautiful headquarters of Nutrisystem with their CEO and our brand new watch team member for our wellness watch, Dawn Zier. And she's going to be joining me in just a moment. And we also have other contributors with us here this evening. We have Dr. Marianne Ritchie, who is our health watch every week and from Jefferson University Hospital. And Mary Manzo and her partner, Jeff Giovinazzo from Pathways Consulting Group. So We have a nice group in uh, in the studio today. Um, Before we get started, I want to remind you all to stay with us during the break for our watch team segments, bringing you valuable information on your health, leadership, finance, technology, diversity, and education. And lastly, we're hearing from so many of our members of our listening audience who are sharing their own inspirational stories with us from listening to the show, and I'm so grateful. So please feel free to reach out to me anytime at susan at womentowatch.net, that's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T, or by uh, visiting our website. And now I'd like to welcome to the show Dawn Sear, CEO of Nutrisystem. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. It's, it's really lovely to be out of the studio and, and at your headquarters here in Fort Washington, and you have a wonderful space. Thank you. Um, I want to start out with uh, your upbringing and background, as I usually do, and I understand you grew up in Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to know a little bit about the impact your parents had on
6: the leader you are today. My parents were very supportive. We grew up, my two brothers and I, I'm the oldest. We grew up in, I would say middle class and um, was always taught from the start that I could be whatever I wanted to be. So to dream big and always was also told to be, do the best that you can. So if my best was getting an A, I should get an A. If my best was getting a B, I should get a B, but it had to be my personal best. And I would say that was inspired and um, that was a part of me growing up. My whole, my whole part of growing up was about being that best. And I think you know, my parents were so supportive. It wasn't about, are you going to college? Because, um, you know, my mom, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and she uh, later went back to college and became a, a special education teacher. But for her, it was always about you're going to college. You know, aim big, do do what do what's best for you, but always do your personal best. And I would say that really inspired me. I don't think I had a goal. As a young teenager of actually being a leader, but I think the way that I was brought up instilled in me the principles to become one.
5: Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump ahead for a moment because when you were growing up, apparently you dreamed of being the president of the United States. <laughs> yeah, that was and like a long that. time ago. Yeah. Well, it, to me, that says a lot. You know, you're a young girl and you say, you know, I want to be the president one day. That
6: was a, that was part of, you know, my mom and dad saying, you can be whatever you want to be. So yeah. I thought that would have been my younger self, Thought that would have been a great job. Now I think, wow, that's a really like hard job. Hard job.
5: <laughs> Especially today. Do you have any political
6: aspirations? Um, I would say no. You know, never say never. But right now I would definitely say, say no because I think there's a lot of bureaucracy, right? And I'm all about, you know, cutting through bureaucracy, getting things done. So I think, you know, corporate America is probably where I'm best suited.
5: Yeah. Yeah. But well, you never know. You never know, because, of course, we'd all love to see a woman in the White House. That's another show. Um, when you took the helm in 2012, you had a vision to expand into the broader space of mm-hmm. health and wellness. I wonder if you can talk about what ways you have done that um, for the company and as a company.
6: Yeah, when I came to Nutrisystem, it was really a one-size-fits-all product. It was We offered one approach to weight loss, and it was supposed to um, accommodate everybody that wanted to lose weight. And that's just not reasonable, especially in this world of personalization and customization so you know what we've really tried to do is not just make it about weight loss but change the message to more health and wellness where losing weight is more of that first step of the journey so we've been able to roll out more programs like maintenance we have counselors that provide ongoing support and um, we've offered different programs. So not only do we offer Nutrisystem, which is about, you know, the your um, favorite foods made healthy, but also South Beach, which is a low carb, low sugar approach to weight loss. And then DNA Body Blueprint is something new that we've introduced, which I think really gets at the whole broad spectrum of health and wellness.
5: Yeah. You know, reading about uh, the future of health being more about our DNA. So mm-hmm. we have so much more knowledge today than we did years ago. Um What exactly is that DNA body blueprint?
6: So DNA body blueprint. If you think about the typical ancestry kits, it's similar. Where it's a swab, but what you get when you send in, you send it back the report. We send back the the um, DNA. Is you'll get back a report that really talks about your genetic code, your unique makeup, and how that impacts your metabolism, what nutrients you should eat, what's the best fitness regimen for you, what vitamins you might be deficient in. So it really kind of gives you a unique mapping in terms of what will work and not work for you. Like. You have to worry about carbs. Is carbs an issue for you? A lot of us think we are, but for a lot of it, it's not. A lot of us, it's not. So, or you know, what foods you should avoid, what foods you should be having, and I think what it really. Gives people is it arms people with tools to kind of empower them and to make good decisions around themselves. So when I think a DNA body blueprint, what I think about is after you go through that first journey of towards getting healthy and want to continue along that journey to optimal health, the DNA body blueprint can think can help you for that mapping once you're off our program in terms of sustaining and keeping keeping um, a healthy lifestyle.
5: I I think one of the perceptions of uh, Nutrisystem and other um, weight loss companies is that you have this package and you have to stay with it and that will be the rest of your life. And that's not the case. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about the idea that, you know, you really can piecemeal and and use um, things that you enjoy the most. Mm
6: -hmm. Well, it's all about, you know, I I think, you know, trying to lose weight it it can get boring especially if you're eating salads all day or something yeah. like that so what we try to do is we try to offer a variety of menu items but really what we're trying to do is teach and we teach through showing about portion control because you know I give an example of you know I think I took my family, went to Olive Garden one night and, you know, the pasta really would serve a family of four, one serving of pasta. Right. Yes. So it really comes down to really understanding what that portion control is and kind of, I think, getting into a little bit of a routine, almost like we do with, with exercise where you know where you're eating, you have you have a routine routine towards that.
5: Um, you do, as a CEO of a com- this company, a large company, a lot of writing and speaking. And I wondered which
6: you enjoy more and and why well growing up i was a i loved to write poetry so that was something i did very not 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 very corporate but something that i did as a as a young adult but i would say and i hated public speaking But I think now as I've grown into the role, I actually really enjoy going out there, connecting and talking with people because I feel, you know, I'm always interested in learning what people think and what they have to say. And I think on occasion I have insights that people might want to hear. So um, for me, it's fun to be out there and talking to people and doing that public speaking. So I've grown into that as I've gotten older, but I really do enjoy it. We're going to take
5: a quick break. When we come back, I wonder if you can share with us a, a story of perhaps a client that was inspired. Inspirational to you that, so that many went of through them. your program. So mm-hmm. uh, stay with us f- for the break. We're going to hear from Holly Dowling for our Leadership Watch and Dr. Marianne Ritchie for our Health Watch. We'll be right back.
7: Women to watch. Leadership Watch. Hi,
0: everybody. Holly Dowling here with your Leadership Watch. And in one of the most fabulous times of year, and no matter where you are in the world, and I, I truly respect and cherish that all of us are listening and coming from all different walks of life, different religions, different holidays. And at some point in this year, you spend time celebrating. And so I'd like to use this moment to just rekindle the essence and the gift of celebration. No matter where you are, I think it's time that we pause. And we realize that celebration is far more than gifts and horns and streamers and glitter. And as much as that is really fun and wonderful, how are you celebrating at home with the people you love and how are you celebrating the gift of you? So recently I just had a birthday and it was so profound what I did that I started sharing it with many people I'm working with and it had a profound impact and that is I gave myself For the first time, and I'm not going to age myself, but I will say over 50, I gave myself the first time a present, and the present was a day with me, myself, and I. And I want to encourage all of you, as you go into this gift-giving time, the greatest gift you can give the world is the greatest version of you. And sometimes we're so busy and so lost in the world that we don't even know who we are. So I took a day and I splurged on me. And what I walked away with was a renewed sense of holly. I re- rejuvenated, rested. And boy, I could do this for a month. But just one day, what are you willing to do to give yourself permission, to give yourself a gift? of a day alone. And if you can't do a day, do an hour. And then what I beg you to do is give that same gift to the people you love, to the people you lead and to the people you love. Give them permission to take care of them because when they do, we all win. It's a ripple effect. Reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you at hollydally.com.
1: Today's commercial-free special of Women to Watch is being provided by Patrick Foley and Kristen Hillsley, authors of the book Winning at Retirement.
2: Kristen and I are financial planners located in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. And what we do is advise families on uh, all aspects of their finances. We we take a a very broad scope of approach. Um, But more than anything else, it tends to be focused on advising people how to uh, retire comfortably. Um, we also, you know, we'll, we'll look at other elements like saving for maybe a, a second home or saving to uh, educate children. Uh, but everyone seems to have this uh, the sh- shared goal of, of how do we prepare for retirement? How do we have enough money to prepare for retirement? Uh, what we realize is, though, that having enough money is just one element of being happy in retirement. And um, so Kristen and I uh, set out to do a research project to find out what, what besides money, is important, uh, and that really was the genesis of uh, the the book, "Winning at Retirement: A Guide to Health, Wealth, and Purpose in the Best Years of Your Life."
8: One of the struggles that most people face today is that there is so much out there about investing, and there's this common misconception that we should be able, or the layman should be able, to handle their investments on their own. Um, whereas you would never be expected to handle your own surgery if you were going to see a medical doctor, but because of today's environment and because of how much education there is out there, people often, no matter how much wealth they have when they come, they could have dollar or ten million dollars and everyone kind of comes in apologetically to us and says I know I should know more about this but here's what I've done so far and so we saw this as a big challenge for retirees and for a broad scope of people so as part of our book winning at retirement we wanted to create one source for people to come the book really is just the beginning. Um, The book is a great place to start to get general information about Medicare, Social Security, investing, um, health and wellness, things like that. But we created a companion piece called RetireHappy.me. It's our website, and we keep it constantly up to date.
1: Order your copy of the book Winning at Retirement on Amazon, or simply go to RetiredHappy.me. Now the women to watch. Health Watch.
7: For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Santa's coming soon, so let's continue from last week. The 12 ways of Christmas for a safe and healthy holiday. Tip number five: Decrease stress. Don't feel like shopping or decorating. Every square inch is essential. Your presence is your presence. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, out of control, find support. Connect socially. Get lots of sleep. Number six, holiday food. Enjoy, but limit foods high in fat, salt, and sugar. It's hard if you have diabetes, celiac disease, or any dietary restriction. So if you're going to visit, offer to bring an appetizer or snack, and you're covered. If you have people visiting you, be a gracious host. Ask guests if they have special needs, especially if children are involved. And avoid cross-contamination. Don't let the spoon from the gluten-free dish Touch the gluten dish. Seven, watch your children and pets, especially near potentially dangerous toys, pieces they might swallow. Keep food, drinks, especially alcohol out of their reach. And if they have allergies, carry their EpiPens wherever you go. Keep the poison control phone number on the refrigerator or by the house phone. Eight, practice fire safety. Most home fires happen in the winter. Don't leave space heaters, fireplaces, candles, Food on the stove unattended. Water your Christmas tree daily and unplug the lights before you go to bed. So divas, Merry Christmas. And as we celebrate this special time, let's return to the basics. The greatest gift you can share is the gift of your love. Remember to share it with somebody who needs an extra hug. Love you all. Merry Christmas. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk
0: Radio 12. (laughs) And. <laughs>
5: Thanks so much for being with us tonight. I'm uh, joined by Dawn Zier, the president and CEO of Nutrisystem, and and we're at her beautiful headquarters in Fort Washington. And just before the break, you were talking about, you know, the people, you enjoy uh, your opportunities to speak in, in front of audiences. And I wondered if you could share, I know there are many, many inspirational stories about people who have been through your program. Is there one in particular that has kind of stayed with
6: you that is someone that, you know, touched your heart? Yeah, there, there are actually a couple. And one of the things that I enjoy both uh, most about my job is the mission focus of it, of knowing that we're really helping people transform lives. And we try to invite some of our successful clients into the company to talk to our employees because nothing is more motivating than knowing that what you're doing is actually matters and is making a difference in someone's life. So one woman that I actually talk about frequently and I have a lot of, a lot of heart for is Morgan Root and she is actually a veteran. So she served in our, in our military. Uh, she's a single mom. And after she came back from the military, she gained a lot of weight and, um, you know, struggled with this. And then, um, you know, she became a single mom and she ended up losing all the weight after she had her kids, but it was through Nutrisystem. But when she comes and talks to us, she just tells about the transformation of how basically she wanted to be a role model for other women especially, you know, people, because she's breaking the mold being a woman in the military, but how she wanted to be a role model for other women and then also for her children. So she made a lot of changes of, you know, really towards getting healthy. And, you know, when she, um, she she's come to our office a couple of times and when she talks about the difference that our program has made for her and how really built her confidence and how now she's she's actually now in a leadership role at Target and really has um, doing amazing things with her life. And just to see, you know, uh, somebody go through a transition of being a confident self and then having a little bit of um, struggling a little bit and then regaining that confidence. Mm-hmm. It really is wonderful to see Um, you know another example two guys that I think of Dean and Jason and um, you know they talk about how they had they had um, you know gained weight and and the story of Dean is he he was he was very heavy in college and he was afraid to go work out he was afraid to he didn't want to be publicly seen and he started like exercising like in in like not public places just to try to get in shape. But the thing that that shook him was when his dad actually said, I'm worried you're going to die. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want your mom. I don't want your mom to have to bury her son. And so it's these emotional stories that we hear every day. And everybody has their own reason. Like, you can't just tell somebody, hey, it's time to get healthy. It has to be something that comes from within. But, you know, often people do it because they're motivated uh, towards their loved ones. So I want to be healthy for my children. I want to be healthy for my parents. I, you know, but the stories are all unique, yet there's some common threads that go through it. And it's just everybody has to find their reason for getting healthy. And it has to really be something, the time has to be right for you. But when we hear these stories, it's just, um, you know, it's just amazing. And then they often go on to motivate many others to live healthier lives.
5: You know, I, before the show, we were talking about girls, young girls, Mm -hmm. and I want to go off script a little bit, uh, because I think it's important to tie the fact that Losing the weight does come first, and it's okay to talk about that mm-hmm. because that's what brings the health and the wellness. And when we talk to young girls today, it's very difficult. They're uh, with social media, um, body image, and mm-hmm. that that pursuit for perfection is so so prevalent. So, what would you say to young girls that are listening, um, with regard to the fact that when we talk about the weight loss, it's okay to to reference that on our journey to wellness and feeling better about ourselves physically and emotionally.
6: Yeah, I think uh, I'm so happy to see that stereotypical image of what a woman should look like really fading away. Because, you know, it's it is all about being healthy and people can be healthy in many different ways. So you really have to do what's what's right for you. But I think The vernacular of the way we talk about weight loss is changing. So it is more about that healthy living. But what I find is when you peel back the onion a little bit, that that first step, as you were talking about, towards that journey of health often comes from losing the first 5 to 10 pounds. And we hear this from um, young people all the time as well as uh, well, well as customers that, you know, they're not motivated to exercise. But once they lose that 5 to 10 pounds, they get that motivation and then they start to exercise and they start making other healthy, you know, changes around, around their lives. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is a very sensitive topic because we don't want to do anything that would, um, erode the self-esteem of our young adults out there. But, um, I, I do think that again, it comes down to when they're ready to make those changes and have those conversations. But I always think it's about being a role model. So, and I'm certainly not the perfect role model, but it's about trying to emulate more healthy behavior, trying to keep the house, you know, you always want to have some snacks in, but try to keep the house somewhat clean in terms of, um, you know, the items that you don't need to eat all the time i know my husband and i debate this all the time and he tells me i buy too much you know stuff that i shouldn't be buying for the family but you know it's really about trying to live that healthy life and i think taking time to not run out to fast food places and things like that it doesn't have to always be about gourmet meals but try to eat healthy Mm -hmm. set those right things
5: i want to get back to you and and talk a little bit more about you um and i want to read a quote Um, More people should study computer science, Mm -hmm. because it teaches you how to break down complex problems into working modules. I want to know, were you always analytical in your approach to, to things?
6: I I think it's a balance because, yes, I've always been analytical because I've always gravitated towards the sciences. I was an engineer, and I do feel that even though engineering wasn't the right career for me and I didn't really practice it for long, it is actually, I think, one of the things that has made me successful as a CEO is that ability to take something complex and break it down and then build it back up into solutions. So I think in today's world, having that STEM sort of background is important for everything we do and it's not just about being a doctor or being you know a, in technology in my job today or in my marketing team's job really important but I also think coupled with that has to come some emotional intelligence. So it's not just about the facts. We have what I would call a fact-based culture at Nutrisystem, but there has to be that EI that's kind of incorporated into everything that we do. So I think it's, I think it's a balance. It's kind of a left and right brain thing, but I definitely am about the analytics. Yeah. Do you think, what
5: is it about you personally that has enabled you to get to this level? Aside from the analytical ability that you have, what kind of people skills or or leadership style would you describe yourself as having?
6: I think listening. I try to listen. I think also as we go up in our career, sometimes our listening skills diminish. So I always do try to listen, take multiple impact, uh, multiple insights. I'm a big believer in um, at this age in my career of being a mentor back to others, but I still accept mentorship to me. So I'm always a big believer in, you know, getting insights, getting, getting coaching, having trusted advisors. And I think that's been very helpful to me.
5: Do you have programs within the within your system for your uh, staff to, to do those kinds of mentoring, you know, matching up with I think we other? provide
6: opportunities for people within the company. Another big thing I'm a believer of is that coaches um, can't be assigned. They must be found. Mm. So you have to find. But yeah. we, I think we provide avenues to help people do that.
5: Yes, I think so. When you're open to it, people kind of show up mm-hmm. in your life Absolutely. that you need at that time. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about what's happening globally with women and leadership Mm -hmm. and the positive uh, impact that it's having. We'll be right back. Stay with us for our Finance Watch and Mary Manzo for our Tech Watch.
1: The Women to Watch, Finance Watch.
9: Hi, this is Maggie. And this is Terry. And we're from Fortis Wealth. When is the last time you thought about your estate plan? If you are like most people, you're busy with more immediate priorities like family, work, and community involvement. However, just like regular checkups for your physical health, it's important to review your estate planning documents every few years to make sure they are consistent with your situation and goals. Estate planning is a process of creating documents that reflect how you want your personal and financial assets to be distributed at death. Proactive planning can provide control over these wishes. The process can also include planning for incapacity in case you become physically or mentally unable to make decisions while you're still alive. Both single and married women need to manage and protect financial assets for their expected longer lifespans. Do you know where all your financial assets are and how they are owned and managed? Do you have enough life insurance to replace lost
10: income or assets if your spouse predeceases you? So, what documents do you need first a will which is the legal document that directs how your assets will be distributed at your death if you have minor or special needs children a guardian can be appointed in your will to care for them these are decisions you do not want left to the courts without a will that could happen with a durable power of attorney for health care you appoint one or more people to make medical decisions on your behalf if you were unable to make them yourself even temporarily. This is distinct from a living will or advanced directive, which states your wishes for end-of-life care. More advanced estate planning documents could include trusts and vehicles for charitable giving. Then make sure that ownership of your accounts and beneficiary designations on your life insurance and retirement accounts are all in sync with your documents. Choosing appropriate executors, trustees, and agents is also important, as they are responsible for providing assistance in the event of incapacity or death, and also ensure that assets are directed to the intended beneficiaries. Please note that this is general information and should not be construed as legal advice. Consult with an estate planning attorney regarding your individual situation. This is Terry. And this is Maggie. Peace out. Today's commercial-free special
1: of Women to Watch is being provided by Patrick Foley and Kristen Hillsley, authors of the book Winning at Retirement.
2: We really focused on how do we take complex subjects like investing or Social Security uh, claiming strategies or Medicare. These are complex, complex subjects. And our primary goal with the book was to break it down into really easy to understand uh, plain language uh, descriptions of of all of the different elements because people tend to be a little bit... um, Confused or or even frightened by retirement, um, what the first thing we found when we started doing our research was that people shouldn't be at all frightened about retirement. In fact, the data is is really uh, encouraging. In fact, the the um, uh, more than about or about half of half of people in retirement who've been polled on the subject say that happiness or retirement is the happiest time of their life that's exciting i mean that's 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 optimistic news but it's also a challenge how do how do you end up in that happy half thats that's where we came up with the the concept of winning at retirement although winning is certainly it's probably not the right word exactly because it's not a contest it's not something that uh, that you literally can win but we wanted to Encourage people, get them fired up about the idea of retirement.
8: Just to to um, talk a little bit more on Pat's point is that we've never retired ourselves, but we have helped many, many people retire. So in essence, we've gone through the process a bunch of times. And what we found was that so many people were anxious about retiring But once it actually happened on the other side, we realized that they were so happy and relaxed. And we found that there are three things they, they, and people always say, you know, I don't know how I had time to work before. And I think that the people that end up in the happy half have three components. Um, Number one, they obviously have to have enough money saved for retirement. We're not saying that you have to be rich and have gobs and gobs of money, but you have to have enough to fund the things that make you happy. That might be travel, but it might just be being at home and tending to your garden or cooking or things that are simple that will give you joy. Um, The other thing that we found is that people need to be healthy. Um, They don't need to be running marathons in their 60s or 70s, but they definitely have to have a certain level of health and wellness so that they can, you know, once you've worked your whole entire life and now you have the time to do the things that you really want to do, We want you to be able to travel, but to enjoy it. You know, having health and wellness in that time of life is really important.
1: Order your copy of the book Winning at Retirement on Amazon or simply go to retiredhappy.me. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch.
4: Hi, I'm Mary Manso, Pathways Consulting Group. I'm ending my holiday series with my last technology recommendation and what I believe is the number one innovative technology gift for 2018, the Xbox Microsoft Adaptive Controller. Like many of you, I saw the commercial for this innovative technology a couple of weeks ago. It starts out with children from the neighborhood excitedly running down the street to a friend's house yelling, he's going to do it. The scene cuts to a young boy in a wheelchair playing Xbox with his new adaptive controller. And when he wins the game, everyone cheers. The genesis of the Xbox adaptive controller goes back to 2014, when a Microsoft engineer was scrolling through Twitter and noticed a photo of a custom gaming controller made by Warfighter Engaged. A nonprofit organization that provides gaming devices to wounded vets. It's the first piece of hardware launched by Microsoft that was developed through an inclusive design approach that included extensive consultation with gamers who have disabilities. The 19 jacks across the back of the device mimics the number of inputs on a standard controller. It's spread in a single line rather than being stacked, so they're easily accessible for people with dexterity challenges. The controller's rectangular shape is designed to sit comfortably on a user's lap. After discovering that some gamers arranged their gaming setups on a lap board, often securing them with Velcro, the designer team added three threads, inserts to the controller so that it can be mounted with industrial standard hardware and attached to a wheelchair lapboard or desk. Other devices on deck for Microsoft are the mouth-operated joystick and the eyes-free and voice-controlled joystick. Why is all this so important? One word, inclusion. The inclusion and consideration of individuals with all types of abilities is extremely important as new technologies are introduced allowing equality, participation, and opportunity regardless of who you are or your ability. If you have other great technologies you'd like to share with me, contact me at mary at pathwayscg.com.
0: You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue
1: Rocco.
5: I'm having a great conversation with Dawn Zier this evening, president and CEO of Nutrisystem. And um, we can't have an interview without talking about what's happening in the world with women um, in leadership. And I, I think it's such an incredibly positive time for mm-hmm. young women and, and all women. And um, I wonder if you can describe this kind of positive shift that's happening and why you
6: think now and and what you're seeing well, I think there's a lot of proof. There's a lot of evidence out there that talk to um, having a diverse set of people in the room actually leads to better outcomes. So I think we're seeing that. And, you know, I look at the midterm elections and see the number of women that got elected into Congress. And it was it was really compelling numbers. So I think we are starting to see this shift begin to happen. Um, one of the things that I always like to talk to young people about, because I, I enjoy um talking to college age students and Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, that that demographic a lot is one of the things I still see with women, with young women that come into the workplace is as females, I find that a lot of times if we're asked to take on more responsibility or job opening opens up that you know we make our list. I always grow grew up with that yellow piece of paper and you know, you had your cons of pros and pros and pros and pros and cons and I made my list and I take a while to make a decision around it. Where I see men often like will just raise their hand and say, I'll do that and they'll figure it out later. Mm-hmm. And with women I think we actually process it and then make a decision. But what I try to tell the young women is be a hand raiser. Like raise your hand. You because by the time you raise your hand two days later and figure out you want this and can do it, often the opportunity passes. So I do think um, as, as women, we need to be hand raisers and we don't have to have it all figured out as we're heading into something new Mm -hmm. that we have to, you know, that we, we can, you know, move into it and figure out as we go. And I think that is a big difference I've noticed throughout my career in seeing how sometimes guys embrace opportunities versus, versus women. And, um, but I, I do think the doors are opening and, um, you know, you look at look at the uh, boardrooms and how, you know, it's still lo- it's still low, though. I mean, we're we are definitely pushing is, for more yeah. executives, more female executives, more females on boards. But I do think the doors are definitely opening. And again, you know, one of the things that I always tell my young adults that I talk to is, you know, don't define yourself as a woman. You know, like I don't want to be the best female CEO. I just want to be the best CEO. Like I don't want to define myself to 50% of the population or in the case of a CEO to 6% or 7% of the population. Don't define yourself by your gender, define yourself much more broadly. And I think that's an important differentiation for women. Can you recall a
5: personal milestone for you as a woman or a young girl that, um, you know, was a moment that you had one of those revelations and you felt more confident? Because we develop that over time. Unless you're a rare bird and as a young girl, you, you know, full of confidence and self-esteem.
6: Um, I was always, since I went into engineering, so I, as a, you know, 17 year old, I decided to pursue more the engineering, so I was always in an environment where I was around more guys than women. I grew up with two brothers, um, but then even w- you know when I went into went to college, I was in the engineering department. That was at SUNY Stony Brook. I then went to MIT, which was even more male oriented. I then took a job in engineering, so I think what defined me is that I didn't define myself as that female in the room. I was just sort of one of a broad group, and I didn't I didn't let the fact that I was only fifteen or. 20. 20% of the population find me. So I think from a very early age, I grew up in an environment where I was really comfortable, you know, in, in a setting where I wasn't, you know, that necessarily the dominant, uh, the dominant influence, so to speak. Do you know where your drive comes from? So
5: your drive to, to be successful, is that um, for the pure excitement of the challenge? Or do you find you're trying to prove to yourself Or someone else excuse me
6: I think it comes back again to the way that I was raised which was always to do your personal best be the best that you can be and of course you know there is a competitive nature to me um But it really is about doing what trying to be the absolute best that I can be. So, you know, I I take things very seriously. For me, you know, the success of the company is personal, obviously. And the fact that we've been able to do well over the last, you know, many years has been extremely, extremely rewarding. But, you know, I also take... um, you know, there are times when you're successful, there are times when you fail. And what I try to also do is if something doesn't go perfectly, really to kind of, you know, think through it and assess in terms of how to do uh, do better moving forward. So I, I think it comes from within. But I think it was, you know, I think my mom had a lot to do with kind of making me that sort of person to always do my personal best. Do you have a, a mantra for when things go awry? <laughs> um, you know, one of the things I like to say is don't let the tail wag the dog. So I don't know that it's, it's a mantra, but you know, what I, what I think about is, you know, a lot of times we try to push things forward and there's a lot of blocking that can happen, you know, in terms of why you can't do something, why no, 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 no. And what I like to tell people is don't let the tail wag the dog, don't let, you know, process get in the way of innovation. And I think that's something that has always, always defined me as I go forward. And that's something from my career at Reader's Digest. One of my mentors taught me that another phrase that I really, um, think about a lot is to step outside of your comfort zone and embrace change. I think for a lot of us change, um, you know, change always puts angst in a lot of people, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I have found that sometimes the biggest opportunities have been when I've been pushed out of my comfort zone and I'm in a situation where "Eh, I'm not sure I really want to be here, but that that often is a time of greatest personal growth Mm -hmm. and the times of greatest professional growth. So I try not to let, you know, try to, and try to teach, you know, those that I'm involved with in terms of mentoring to really, to embrace change because pretty fantastic things can happen if you're actually open and open to change.
5: Yeah. You mentioned a a mentor from Reader's Digest. Mm -hmm. Is that a Someone who you would say believed in you and saw qualities in you that perhaps you didn't see in yourself.
6: Yes, actually, you know, there there are several of them. But the one that told me to step out of my comfort zone um, was Eric Schreier. He was he was um, the CEO of Reader's Digest at one point. And he was putting me in a position in a role that I really did not want. I was moving from more of a line role into a staff role. And I said, Eric, I really don't want to do this. And he's like, well, you really have to. And, and I'm like, why? And he's like, well, you are very good with your, your vertical, your direct skills, your direct power and all that. And he goes, and this will be broader. You're, you will learn the power of negotiation. You will learn those soft skills of power and influence. And I would say that, again, didn't want that role. But it probably is the best role that prepared me for being a CEO today and being a board member. Yeah. So, again, be open to change.
5: Yeah. So often it's someone else, you know, Mm -hmm. pushing us along. Yeah. We're going to take another break. Stay with us for our uh, diversity watch and our education watch. We'll be right back. You're listening to Women to Watch.
3: is the women to watch diversity watch peace be upon you all this is Hanadi with your weekly diversity segment here there's nothing more pleasing to a manager than seeing an employee tackling his or her tasks head-on hustling and bustling to meet their business requirements delivering projects and wasting no time in office gossip how valuable is that employee to the company and how do you think the boss would describe this person Well, Muslims are required to get on their tasks exactly in the same fashion, fulfilling on their religious, social, professional, and other ethical responsibilities as if they're being watched. Well, they are being watched. They wanna make sure the boss is always content seeing them where they are expected to be, doing exactly what they're expected to be doing. Staying focused on a task is actually a difficult thing. With so many things distracting us and shifting our attention, how do we stay on track? Examine with me this prophetic saying of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, quote, The faith of a servant is not upright until his heart is upright, and his heart is not upright until his tongue is upright. So two things, guys. What is your heart set on? and what is your tongue saying? Look at the goals you're setting for yourself in life or next year resolution. It would be helpful to ask yourself, is my heart filled with this mission? What are some affirmative sentences that I can say to myself and to others that can help me achieve that goal? Being steadfast is today's prophetic ethic. In what will be the blank that we individually fill out. Now stay focused and connect with me on com. Today's commercial-free
1: special of Women to Watch is being provided by Patrick Foley and Kristen Hillsley, authors of the book Winning at Retirement.
2: Everybody comes at retirement in a, in a different way. Every, everyone's retirement is, uh, you know, uh, to use the cliche, it's a cliche, it's like a snowflake. Every retirement is different. But... That said, everyone has the same concerns. Everyone has to tackle the same challenges. And, and uh, the, the big part of the book, I think, that kind of sets it apart is what we call a retirement happiness map. And it's a really simple complex. It's a, it's a process called mind mapping. And we use it to give people a simple structure they can use to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. So we're looking at um, Social Security investments, Medicare, purpose, as Kristen referenced earlier, um, health and wellness. These are, the, these are the common elements. And a mind map essentially has you at the center of the, the map, you and your spouse in the case of married couples. And then around that is, is all these different elements that I just described.
8: Yeah, I think the mind map is really important because that will customize the retirement strategy that you pull from the book to be your own. So when we talk about things like health and wellness, everyone's wellness and health goals are different. Some people just want to be able to get out of bed in the morning and have a a day without experiencing a health issue if they've had chronic pain or if, or the other thing is you, you, you might be healthy as a horse, but your spouse might be ill and now retirement changes because you're caring for somebody else. So we have to try and so within the book, you can set your own framework and your own goals around health and wellness. The other area that we touch on that's so important is location. Um, Some people want to live in the house that they've lived in with their family and get carried out in a wooden box. Other people want to move to where their kids are going to go to to settle down. Um, They might want to move to Florida. And so that's another element that you can customize um, when you're creating your retirement mind map.
1: Order your copy of the book Winning at Retirement on Amazon or simply go to RetiredHappy.me.
7: This is the Women to Watch. Education
9: Watch. Hi, I'm Colleen Hanich, the president of LaSalle University, and this is your Education Watch, where today we will be talking about the role of academic quality in the college search process. What do we mean when we say quality? So for me, academic quality starts and ends with outstanding faculty. As parents and prospective students, you need to ask, who's at the front of the classroom? Is it a teaching assistant? Well, at LaSalle, for example, it's never a teaching assistant. It is a member of our faculty, and that matters. You need to look for uh, faculty that have terminal degrees in their field, so whether it's a Ph.D. or or whatever it is, you need to look for colleges where the graduates quickly find jobs in their fields after they graduate. That's another measure of academic quality. You need to look at the admission standards that are in place, not only for the the college but also for the program, what percentage of applicants are actually admitted into the program. Another really important question from my perspective is to look at the advising program that they have. is there an opportunity for students to meet with faculty and get their advice not only on their majors, but on what they're going to do after school when they, when they graduate? All of these roll up into a bigger question about academic quality and how that is instituted at each college. What about rankings and accreditation, do they matter? So rankings and accreditation both matter. Rankings are really, for me, as a parent and as an administrator, matter when they are coming from entities that have been around for a long time. And when you look at highly respected ranking journals such as U.S. News and World Report or the Princeton Review, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Times Higher Ed, Money Magazine, all of these will tell you important things about the schools that you are looking at. Similarly, with accreditation, you want to make sure that the school is meeting standards of education in the region, both at a School level and at a programmatic level, all of these will speak to academic quality.
5: Really great advice, Colleen. Thanks so much.
9: Thank you.
0: Now more of women to watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio.
5: I'm talking with Don Zier, the president and CEO of NutraSystem, and one of the topics I like to talk about often is this 24-hour news cycle that we all live in and how it can be incredibly uh, distracting mm-hmm. and, and burdensome. And I wonder your thoughts on it, um, how you deal with it, and, and what are the pros and cons, do you think?
6: I think it's tough because I think there's a lot of information that comes out in a 24-hour news cycle that is not, you know, factually based. And, um, you know, a lot of it is opinion and there's opinions on both sides as you hear this 24-hour news news cycle. So what I try to do is kind of stay, stay you know, in, in the middle and... um you know, process the information. But I also know that the information is going to change the next day. Mm-hmm. So I think I equated also as a CEO of a company and being a public company CEO. So there's all the political news that is happening. But even, you know, it, it comes down to even just reacting to stock price movements on one single day. And um, I remember as a new CEO, I'd get very upset or very excited with one day movements. And now it's really about, OK, make sure you have the strategy in place. Make sure you're executing against a long-term vision because I believe in the end, things work out as they should and that um, these day-to-day cycles of volatility that can be introduced by a stock market or by different, you know, uh, news coming in and out of the cycle is, um, you know, you really just have to kind of take the broader picture, and it's not a, not really about a twenty four hour cycle, in my opinion.
5: Is part of your day to day a typical day to, you know, do you start with the news in the morning or? Is it, I do. do you peep I, I, all day I will. Long?
6: I will. I will listen to the news. I um, am always <laughs> on my phone checking to see what the markets are doing. So I would say very. I, I do stay very in touch with that. Yeah.
5: I want to mention that our contributors are here two of our contributors, Mary Manzo for our Tech Watch and Dr. Mary and Richie for our Health Watch. And they've joined the show because they believe in the mission of mm-hmm. trying to, you know, encourage women to lead and, and to inspire them. And I wondered, you know, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share with them your hope for the team's mission and being a part of the show in, you know, the small role that you're going to play, um, what you hope that impact will be.
6: Well, I think it's any any time that we have an opportunity to talk to other women, I think I think it's fascinating. And I always um, enjoy the people you bring on the show and all the all the um, different insights that we get, because I think there is a community of of women and sharing our insights together is important. But I also think there's a broader community out there as well. So, you know, I like to spend a lot of my time, you know, talking to other other women and sharing insights but also as I shared a little earlier one of the things that's important to me is not defining myself as just a woman so like I like talking in women's groups but equally important to me is going out and talking to the broader groups because you know change doesn't just happen from all of us you know girls talking together. It comes from that wider conversation, which is much more inclusive. So I, I really like, you know, um, the forum where you can talk to other women, but also you can expand beyond.
5: And and we talk also about, you know, what place do men have exactly in, you know, trying to change Uh, the direction and and move the needle and Mm -hmm. Jeff is Mary Manzo's partner and CEO of Pathways Consulting and he's joining us here which Mm I'm um, grateful for what is your um, opinion on what role they should play and have to play in it you have a big role Jeff
6: um, what I think actually, and I look back on my own history and look at who my mentors have been and who my role models have been. So I'd say my mom's a role model for me, of course. But you know, when I look at from a career perspective, um, the people that actually have mentored me have not been women. It's largely been men. And there are probably three or four men that have had really monumental roles in my life in terms of Being mentors, being as as when I was young, it was a mentor. Then I grew into a role where I had coaches and now I'm in a role where I've trusted advisors. But I found that it was a lot of um, successful men who actually believed in me and gave me the opportunities. So I, I do think, you know, whether that's done on a, you know, one by one basis or on a broader basis is really important. But, you know, one of the things in I guess it could have been the industry or the people that I've worked with that I always grew up in an environment or was in an environment where I felt, um, again, because I think You know, hard work does pay off, and there's no substitute for hard work and for that good work ethic and delivering good results that I was able to get noticed. And it was often by, you know, executives in my company who at that time just happened to be male who then promoted me into bigger jobs. And so um, I was very fortunate. I don't know that my experience mirrors that of every person. Certainly, from what we've heard this year, Mm. it definitely does not. But um, I've had a very fortunate fortunate path where I've had a lot of um, people that have sponsored me, um, and and it's been very helpful. Did it mean more
5: to you to hear um, act, to receive accolades from a male colleague? Do you think rather than a woman who typically we are by nature very complimentary, and you know we do that naturally. So, do you think it had more impact for you to to hear? That? you know, your job well done from a male Um, colleague?
6: I don't know. It just happened to be those who are people that were in more senior roles than I was at the time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, personally, like I like compliments from anybody that wants to give it to me. I'm good. (laughs) Anybody. (laughs) Um, I wanted
5: to give you an opportunity. Your whole work and arena is around health and wellness. Is there any other causes that are near and dear to your heart? I know you're involved in a lot of organizations outside of Nutrisystem.
6: So, so I've been involved because again, health and wellness and, and Um, weight management tie very closely to diabetes and and, um, cardiovascular issues. So personally, I've been very involved with the American Diabetes Association and American Um, Heart Association. Um, This year with the American Heart Association, one of the things that I did was um, they had a STEM event, which was in the Philly School District. And we had an opportunity to talk to a lot of young women. And I found that was kind of where a lot of my passion points were, because one of my passions is really talking to Young college age students, in this case it was high school students, but being able to impact them in terms about their career path. And one of the things I love to tell young people because there's so much pressure on young children young adults today in terms of what do you want to be when you grow up. I don't even know what I want to be when I grow up. For me, it's a journey and I just keep going. And I try to tell them, you know, it's a windy path and that they should just, you know, keep moving. And it's not always going to be straight, but they'll get there. Yeah. Well, thank you so
5: much for joining me. And um, we're going to be hearing a lot more from you uh, in the coming months. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thank you so much, as always, to our sponsors and contributors for helping us to bring you the real story behind her title here on Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. Have a great week everyone and a very Merry Christmas and thank you to my contributors who are with me in the audience Dr. Marianne Ritchie, Jeff Giovanazzo, and Mary Manzo.
1: Tonight's commercial-free Women to Watch is presented by Patrick Foley and Kristen Hillsley, who wish you a very happy holiday season.
2: This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.
3: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming...